Welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. For anyone who wants to make money and make a difference, grow and leverage your enterprise better, get more done in less time, outsource everything and create your ideal lifestyle. And now, your host, eight times best-selling author and double world record holder, Rob Moore. Hi, it's Rob Moore here and welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. This episode is coming to you from San Diego. Bobby's about to start his World Under Six Golf Championships. So um, let you know how that goes. I always take my podcast gear with me wherever I go in the world and therefore you're always with me wherever I go in the world. So thank you for tuning in wherever you are in the world. The Entrepreneur's Mindset. That's the massive title of this episode and it's probably going to become a mini-series. I'm getting feedback that the mini-series I do in the podcast are really popular. In fact, if I look at the stats, often they're the most downloaded episodes. So over the next few weeks, keep tuning back in. We're going to be digging deep into the entrepreneur's mindset. Now, I'm going to cover just six things in this episode. When I say just six, that's enough. But you know I can talk for a long time, but I wanted to make this concise. And also, I didn't want to give you the same cookie-cutter standard advice that everyone's giving you, like, believe in yourself, man, and just take action. Because you believe in yourself, probably. You've probably taken action, and you're probably still having challenges. And that's normal, because that's the life of a disruptive entrepreneur. So I think point zero, I'm going to do point zero, one, two, three, four, five, rather than one, two, three, four, five, six. Because point zero, the thing that you need to know, which you could say is belief, which you could say is faith, you know, which you could say is keep going and taking action and all these things. It is know that the plight that you're on, your journey, someone before has trodden that path to. They've started a business just like yours. They've endured challenges just like yours. They've probably endured harder challenges. I mean, come on, you've got great Wi-Fi connection where you are. That's all you need. But seriously, you're a privileged person probably, unless you're living in in the um, third world and you tune in from one of the third world countries. You know, you've got good health care. You've got a decent ability to earn money. You've got great access to all the information that you need. You're in a developed country. So you've got all the opportunities you need. So someone's probably started below you. It's probably been harder for them. They've endured harder challenges and they've solved them and they've scaled. And that's all you need to know. If one person can do it, you can do it. And, you know, you could translate that to believe in yourself, man, brother. But really, it's deeper than that. It's that someone else with less resources than you did it. So stop whining, moaning, complaining, feeling sorry for yourself and just start telling yourself, that if they can do it, you can too. We all love an inspiring autobiography. We all love an inspiring story of the underdog who succeeds because it makes us feel like we can too. And I love listening to autobiographies, as you know. I love watching documentaries, as you know. And even today with, you know, better success now than 10 years ago, but still a student, even today I still get really inspired by those stories of people, you know, who are the um, against all odds, it seems, um, succeeded. But it's not really against all odds because there's a system because someone's done it. There's someone on the internet somewhere that's going to help. There's someone pumping out podcasts and live feed videos on their Facebook pages and their Twitter feeds and their Instagram pages and their online courses and their physical courses and their mentorships and their masterminds. There's coaches, board members, there's non-exec board members. There's, you know, there's all the free advice that everyone wants to give you. There's so much information out there. You can do it. You need to know that. Okay, so then that's step zero. Let's move on to step one, which is you have to take full and personal responsibility for your results, for your business, and for your life. No bullshitting yourself. 
There's a, a book which a lot of people are really into at the moment, and it's called Extreme Ownership. And it talks about full and personal responsibility. It's always your fault if something goes wrong. You take the blame, you take the hit, and therefore you have the ability to solve it. Now, of course, in the real world, you know, you don't have to be the fall guy for everything. But, you know, this um, extreme ownership is, is from Navy SEALs where people's lives depend on making good calls. And it's easy to point the finger and say, they did this wrong, they did that wrong, they did that wrong. Well, if someone else in your team, your organization, you know, or family or whatever, did something that you're blaming them for, then you did something wrong that made them do it. You know, maybe you didn't communicate them with them clearly. Maybe you pushed them. Maybe you didn't push them enough. Maybe you gave them too much freedom. Maybe you didn't give them enough freedom. Uh, maybe you micromanaged them. Maybe you upset them. Maybe you didn't know how to speak to them. Maybe you didn't have enough contact with them. You know, there's so many things that you can do differently and better such that the people that are in your life and your business, you know, the, the family and the friends, as well as the people that work for you, the outsourcers, the staff, the customers, you know, they step up when you step up. And um, when you take responsibility for everything that happens, especially when it goes wrong, they'll often try and take the blame back themselves. That'll empower, empower them much more than blaming them. Now, in my new book coming up, I, I talked about the four thieves of wealth, B, C, D, and J. Blame, complain, defend, justify. The thieves of wealth and results and money and success. The absolute thieves. As soon as you... Blame, complain, defend, justify. The power from, from you being able to solve the problem evaporates. Now, do you know what? There probably are things that are going on that aren't your fault. There's external market forces. There's things some of your clients do that maybe aren't right, like, you know, bitching about you on social media. Or, you know, maybe there's some team members that are, I don't know, sleeping with each other and making it really difficult for you to manage them. Not talking about personal experience here, of course. But the reality is, as soon as you say it's their fault, you've also thrown away the ability to solve the problem. And ultimately, what do you want? You want the result. You want to solve the problem. So as soon as you say, it's my fault, my responsibility, talk about this extreme ownership, then you give yourself the power to solve the problem. And once you do that, you start looking for solutions. And then, of course, solutions means solutions. So never, ever, 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 ever blame, complain, defend, or justify, and always own everything that happens. You know, even if it was the recession or the economy or a regulation or a law change that really hurt your business, you still own your ability to pivot, to make a different decision, to bring in a new business model. So own it, baby. So point one, sorry, point two, which is point three, really, because we started at point zero, is about risk. Now, again, I don't want to just give you the same old repackaged advice that people are blurging out. Oh, you know, you, you've got to take some risks. We all know you've got to take some risks as an entrepreneur. Uh, of course, you've got to take some risks. But actually, it's quite dumb to take really big risks. A lot of people are saying, oh, Rob, should I quit my job? Well, not if you've got a mortgage and a load of kids and a load of overheads and the, the new enterprise you're going into is going to take six to 18 months to bring in some money. No, you shouldn't quit your job. That's a dumb risk. So, Risk isn't just about taking a risk and being brave and making it happen and being bold and going 10x and all this kind of stuff. You know, it's actually about taking calculated risks and de-risking, mitigating risks and balancing risks and managing risks and all of those things. So I think a way that you can do it effectively is to test small and fast. So that's a way to take some risks without there being huge risks. 
Like for example, let's say you want to do a live feed video and you want to sell a product that you just created. And let's say um, you weren't really that happy with your product at the moment, it wasn't perfect. And so normally your old self wouldn't have even put it to the marketplace because it wasn't perfect, even though it'd never be perfect. And then you didn't really want to do a live feed because you'd never really done any sort of video work before. And you wanted to build your community first before you did a live feed video because you've only got three followers on Facebook. And, you, you know, you could, you could take that thought process in any situation and never do anything. And this is a crippler for an entrepreneur. So what you do is you test small and fast. So what you do is say, okay, I'll get the version one raw minimum viable product ready. Good, it's not perfect, but so what? It's, you know, if it's not perfect, it's still worth something. If it's worth 100 quid perfect, it might be worth 50 quid not perfect. I'll charge 40 quid, therefore it's still a bargain. So you can still get out there. Because remember, value is a, a perception and everything has a value. If, it doesn't have, if, if you don't think it's great, then give it away for free and let people beta test it. And then you go to your three followers on Facebook and do a live feed. And you, let's say you're a bit herbally, blurbally, stumbly and you're not really, you haven't really got the pitch down and you know, you just don't, doesn't come across as well as it could. Also, what? You've got a not your perfect product where three people might have watched, one person probably bought and you didn't charge them anyway. And they were. If you love to travel like me and you understand the power in escaping the money for time exchange trap, but you just don't know how to do it, then building an Airbnb consultancy business could be exactly what you have been looking for. Right now in the UK, there is a completely untapped opportunity through helping struggling Airbnb hosts by turning around their underperforming properties and generating you huge commission payments in the process. We are going to teach you all of the tools and all of the techniques that we've learned over the last five years through building our very own multiple six-figure Airbnb business, arming you with everything that you need to swoop in and save the day. Minimal startup costs, zero risk, and almost unlimited potential. Sound good? Welcome to the Airbnb Consultant. Contact us through any of the channels included in the studio notes to get the conversation started. and used your product and it was kind of all right and they you asked them for some feedback you got some feedback uh, and then you launched version 1.01 so you de-risk by the sort of the dichotomy and the irony is you de-risk by taking more actions and get going quicker with something less perfect but it's, it's like i guess you could call it like these baby steps like apple i've got this my phone here in my hand and it's, i think it's the apple 7 is it this 7 point it doesn't even say on it i think it's the apple iphone 7 so they i think their first version was it a 3 or even i don't know 1 3 i don't know what they started with but they must have done with the the, the 3 the 3s the 4 the 4s the 5 the 5s the 6 the 6s the 7 the 7s then there's the big phone the big iphone the little iphone i mean they're probably on their 12th version now, is this new one better than the first version? By a mile. It does a million more things. It's much faster. It's got a much bigger memory. But, of course, if Apple had waited, had waited until they had the perfect iPhone, they never would launch an iPhone. And let's say that they, got, they have a good iPhone hardware, but the software isn't maybe as good as they'd like it to be. Well, then they just do the software updates every five minutes on you and update your software. And, and then it just hopefully works quicker. There you go. So test fast and small. Now, what this does is balance risk with action. So all these things about um, taking risks and taking action, you're actually de-risking by taking action. And you're, you're, what you're doing is taking very, very, very small risks, which aren't really risks, so that you don't have to take big risks in the future, which is what you're probably worried about, which is why you haven't done what you're probably worried about. Okay, and there's a five-step system to do this. It's really simple. 
and it's test, review, tweak, repeat, scale. Test, review, tweak, repeat, test, review, tweak, repeat, test, review, tweak, repeat, test, review, tweak, repeat, scale. So that is test small, review the process through feedback and bugs and you know, things that could be improved, tweak accordingly, improve the system, repeat the process a few times, and then once it's tested and it's a bulletproof, then you scale it up. Because if you scale something that isn't perfect, that's actually a bad mistake. So, you know, like, I'll just take a load of risks, just get it out there. You know, ready, fire, aim. That's all very well, except if you've got something that doesn't work and it scales, you've got a massive problem. Look at Samsung with their phones that are set on fire. That's a massive problem. So it's actually not wise to take big risks. So be careful of people who just say, oh, just take the risk, have courage, because it's not strictly true. You've got to balance it. All right, then. So then the next point, the third point, is your net worth is a balance of your self-worth multiplied by your network. So you might have heard that your net worth is your network, but um, a lot of people don't really talk about the self-worth issue. You know, if you had a billionaire investor who had loads of liquid funds to pump into your business and fund your startup and your scale up and, you know, be the knight in shining armor for you, but you, you know, you feared approaching them, you de-pedestalized yourself when talking to them, you didn't come across with confidence or belief or volition, then you're never going to raise any money. So in that example, you have to increase your self-worth and increase the reach and quality of your network to increase your net worth. And this balances all the things, all the usual advice you get about belief, faith, confidence, persistence, you know, having good people around you, your team, that, this, this merges them all. So increasing your self-worth, I did a big detailed chapter in this in my new book, Coming Up Money. And the, the recurring theme of people who have low self-worth is they haven't forgiven themselves for mistakes they've made that they're carrying around with them throughout their life. They haven't forgiven others that they perceived made a mistake onto them and therefore they still hold some resentment, anger, jealousy, blame, bitterness, and they haven't let that go. It might be a person, it might be an event like a recession or whatever, or a supplier who went bust on them and therefore they went bust. So when you hold on to this past that you haven't forgiven or let go of and seen the benefits and embraced it and learned from it, it's like a demon that haunts you all the time. And your self-worth can't be liberated and go up if you haven't forgiven yourself and others for the things you perceived that were wrong and against you. Once you do that, you allow yourself to flourish and to grow. The next thing people do all the time, I'm such a, I'm an idiot for this, I do it to myself all the time, is like, I'm always having a bad word with myself in my head, picking myself up for doing stupid things. You know, like when I'm with Bobby and raising the kids, you know, it's, it is the hardest thing raising kids, I think. I think it's harder than business. You know, business is a doddle compared to raising kids. And, uh, you know, I'm often, oh, I shouldn't have said it like that. I shouldn't have done that. I've read all the books. I know I should be patient. I know I shouldn't have any, you know, um, anger in my tone. I shouldn't have shouted at them, blah, 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 blah. I'm constantly shouldn't, 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 shouldn't to myself. And because that batters you down. And in the end, you think you're a rubbish parent. Why don't I say to myself, oh, you did this really well. You did that really well. Hey, Rob, Bobby messed you around and you didn't, um, you know, shout at him in front of everyone. You didn't bop him on the nose like you wanted to 58 times. And so I'm always trying to coach myself to pick myself up on the things I'm doing well, not just the things I'm doing badly. So you've got to be a good coach of yourself. It's like you've got two voices in your head. One of them is beating yourself down all the time. I mean, your critics and your trolls, they're going to beat yourself down all the time. Don't do it to yourself. There's enough of them in the world that are going to do that to you. So pat yourself on the back, catch yourself doing things well, because you do hundreds of great gifts and kindnesses and think, you know, you make great decisions every day. You do great things for people every day. You make smart decisions every day. You probably make hundreds of them, but you don't think you make any because 
you're not picking them out on yourself. And you're always, also, you know that whole thing where you're always looking at where I want to be, where I want to be. Oh, you know, I'm, I'm not successful in business because I'm, you know, I haven't got any staff, even though you work for yourself and you don't have a boss, that's what you always wanted. Oh, and I've only got um, uh, six months worth of savings before that runs out, even though you've still got six months worth of savings. And most people, I don't have six days of savings. And, um, you know, all the things that you wanted years ago, you're probably getting now, but because you've now moved the goalposts and that you want something more and bigger, you never feel truly satisfied. Uh, and therefore, you're measuring your worth against your future results. But the current results, the past you would have thought that, you know, you're the man, you know, I, I want to be you. The past you might have done if you've been in business a few years. So always work on this self-worth thing. Make sure you grab my audio book, Money, which comes out on the 27th of July. If this is before the 27th of July, get it. And I've got some special gifts on, on or before launch day. If this is after, get it. All right, and then it's your network. So constantly looking for wise counsel, great mentors, good coaches, board members and non-exec members of your business that can advise you who've been in business and have, have solved and scaled in the areas that you're trying to solve yourself. Going on courses, getting really great online training, going to masterminds, retreats, all these different, basically taking yourself out of the equation. So this link, link, links us to point four, which is you're the easiest person to lie to yourself. So, you know, you, you'll say to yourself at the end of a day where you weren't really productive, oh, I was busy. Uh, and you'll say to yourself when you did something that you know you shouldn't have done or you didn't do something that you know you should, oh, well, it doesn't matter. When it does, because you're protecting yourself. It's self-preservation, that's natural. You know, I often go to the gym and I do like a really half-assed workout between a load of emails. And sometimes I tell myself, I did a workout, but I might as well have just been doing bicep curls with my phone because that was really all I was doing. Uh, and if I had a, a, a really good personal instructor who came with me around the world and I'm thinking about doing that, he's going to beast me uh, until he has to scrape me off the floor with a spatula. And um, I can tell myself I've done a workout, but just because I've been in the gym doesn't mean I've done a workout. So you need to get yourself out of the equation. So all the problems you're having in business are created by you. Because remember, we take full responsibility. We take that extreme ownership. And, and that's okay, by the way, because all the good happens because of you as well. But the level you're at and the ability to solve the problems you can and the problems that you've got that you can't solve are all based on your capacity, your level of thinking and what truths you hold to yourself and the lies that you make to yourself. So when you get yourself out of the equation and you have people who've succeeded at a higher level, they can say to you, hey, that was wrong. Hey, you need to step up. Hey, you need to do 10 more reps. Hey, you need to up the weight. Hey, you need to do cardio as well as just weights, you know, whatever within your business. So the important thing with these coaches, mentors, trainers, board members, non-execs, the, the courses you go on, the masterminds, the retreats is in the area of wealth, business, marketing, sales, vision, leadership, whatever you're looking to become better at, they've got to have been there and done it. They've got to be at least a level ahead of you, maybe 10 levels ahead of you. And this is why I'm not an advocate of just getting free information because, of course, there's good free information out there. But the best information is often the paid for information. Now, that doesn't mean it's the best information. You still got to do your diligence and your research. But, you know, often the best information is the paid information because then the person who's given the information is being remunerated and therefore increases their self-worth. And then when they do that, they put more work and love into the content that they create for you. So you always want to be pushing yourself up to a higher level. Now, people who are worth... 10 grand, might spend um, 100 pound or 500 pound a year on information, books, courses, etc. People who are worth 100 grand might spend a grand. People who are worth a million might spend 10 grand to 50 grand. People who are worth 100 million might spend a million. People who are worth a billion might spend 10 million. So, you know, the people who are often worth the most money and want to learn and improve and grow, 
you know, they're going to be investing a lot of money. Brian Tracy says you should invest the value of your car or up to 10% of your earnings each year in your own in education, you know, the information you put in your brain. Okay. And then the fifth or the sixth one is being a problem solver. Now, I was doing a talk to launch my new book, Money, which comes out on audio first before the physical, if you, before you all start messaging me saying, oh, I thought the book was coming out. The book comes out in October. The audio book comes out in July. So I'm, I'd said this quote, which I thought sounded all right, but I didn't know it came out of my mouth until someone quoted me on me. And they said, you don't have to know how to solve the problem. You just have to want to solve the problem that I said. So the thing with a problem is, you can perceive that you can't solve it because you've tried. And also the thinking that created the problem isn't the same thinking that will solve the problem. So you can get really stuck in a problem or you just don't have the desire motivation to solve the problem or you just avoid the problem hoping someone else will avoid, you know, solve the problem for you. The usual myriad of shit that goes on when there's a problem. Now, of course, then the blame, the complain, the defend, the justify all comes out as well and it compounds the problem. Now, people who change the world, Elon Musk, Richard Branson, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, they'll take the world's biggest problems, you know, like climate change, you know, or like fossil fuels killing the planet or whatever. And they will look to inhabit different countries, sorry, different, yeah, inhabit different um, planets and solar systems maybe one day. They will roll their sleeves up. They will put all their resources. They will have a huge vision, like a galactic vision, like Elon Musk and Richard Branson has with Virgin uh, Galactic. And, um, it's almost like they want the biggest problem because they know with the biggest problems come the biggest solutions and with the biggest solutions come the biggest legacies and the biggest visions and, you know, the biggest followers and the fans and the money and, you know, everything that you ever want is the other side of a bigger problem that you're currently solving. So if you desire to solve bigger problems, you'll open the floodgates to all the things that you want. And I don't know if it's brand or legacy or money or more customers or more reach or you know, whatever it is that you want to grow your disruptive enterprise those results are on the other side of a bigger problem than you're currently solving. So step up and solve bigger problems. Now, um, I get this, I've trained myself to get this little um, endorphin rush. Like if there's a big problem, my initial, of course, reaction is here we go, OMG, R-O-F-L, W-T-F, W-T-A-F. You know, you're like, you just, no one wants a problem. Don't get me wrong. But in the, after that initial mm, Tenth of a second, nanosecond, of ugh, another problem. Thought we'd solved this. Here we go again. Can't be bothered with this. I get this little feeling where it's like, ah, this is a problem. Is it a big problem? Ah, it's a very big problem. If it's a very big problem, most people can't solve it. That means only can I, I can solve it. That means my worth increases. That means that people perceive me as a leader. That means when I solve this problem, I'm going to be able to get a bigger problem. And with, with a bigger problem becomes a bigger reward. And people are going to follow me and, they, you know, they're going to have more faith in me and they're going to, I'm going to give other people courage and I'm going to show people how to solve, how to solve problems. And there's this whole dialogue that goes on in my head when, you know, for 27 years of my life, it was like, why me? And oh, I don't want to do this. So could you do that? Could you look at a problem and whilst not knowing how to solve it, have a desire to solve it? Know that this is your opportunity to step up and be a leader. Uh, and, you know, most of us think the opportunity to succeed is when we have an opportunity to do something good. Your better opportunity to succeed is when you have a big problem to solve. So the world rewards people who solve big problems. So are you taking big problems or are you hiding away from big problems? When you're a big problem solver, the world rewards you with, get this, a bigger problem. So I naively used to think when I solved that problem, 
It's gone. <laughs> Never again. What an idiot I was. The reality is when you solve a problem, the only thing you earn the right for is a bigger problem. But what that does mean is what used to be a problem shouldn't be a problem anymore. Or that might recur in another cycle of a, your life or a season or a recession. But when it does, it'll be a different format. So actually it'll be a new problem. But as soon as you solve another problem and go tick, stop thinking, oh, I think all my problems are gone. Oh, I think everything's going to be all right now, which is what I used to think. That's naivety. That's delusion. That's the surefire way to no happiness in your life whatsoever. Uh, when you think that na naively you can get rid of all your problems, you just know that you've opened the door to a bigger one, which has bigger rewards on the other side. I wanted to share with you some reviews. We've got nearly 300 reviews on iTunes. I want to thank you uh, if you've reviewed the podcast. If not, I'd be really grateful if you reviewed it on iTunes or Stitcher. So we had this review from Sir Liftington, which is entitled uh, Light a Fire Under Your Arse. If you're an entrepreneur, businessman or lady, or just have general interest in making life better and more comfortable, this podcast will really light a fire under your bum. So thank you for that review. Let's have another one here. This title is Basically Free Fantastic Consultancy by Patrick Box Sash. Love the podcast, Rob. It's great that you share your mistakes as well as your successes. I've got so much value for my business, from your business lessons. Thank you, Patrick London. And this one's from Tom. Holy fuck. Rob, you're a machine. I'm already super impressed and inspired by the value of all your books and Facebook groups, but I've just started listening to your plethora of podcasts and I am blown away. Massive respect and massive thanks for doing what you do. Uh, you're a shining light that is shining extremely brightly. So that's from Tom. So I want to thank you for your reviews. Please leave a review on Stitcher or iTunes. Before you do, remember, I'm going to sum up the lessons uh, from the podcast. I think it's important to have a summary to lock it into your mind. On the 27th of July, that's the 27th of this month, if you're listening, the audio book, not the physical that comes out in October, the audio book of Money Goes Live. Now, I've really moved to heaven and earth, and I want to thank my publishers, Hachette, um, John Murray Learning, a division of Hachette, for bringing the launch forward a couple of months of the audio book. I know most of my listeners around the world listen to my books rather than read the physical book. So that's coming out in just a few weeks. So I've got some really special bonuses. Uh, if you get copies of the physical and the audio, uh, if you get a copy of the audio, I'll give you two tickets to my brand new event, Make, Manage and Master Money. So it's a brand new two or three day event. I'm still just putting the details of the agenda together. I know I've got a good few millionaires that are speaking. I'm doing some keynote speeches there, some of my events in the past. A lot of our events we run, I don't speak at, but I'm speaking at this event. I'm doing about three or four slots on it. I've, I'm in discussion with a billionaire who might be doing a keynote as well. So anything about making, managing, mastering money, future disruptive technologies around money, new models and systems to bring in more money and make more money in less time, merged with the life leverage philosophy. So if you go to Audible or Amazon and get a copy of the audio book and then email me at rob.more at progressiveproperty.co.uk, that's rob.more at progressiveproperty.co.uk with the receipt. I'll make sure I save two tickets for you. Now, um, we have, what, hundreds of thousands of subscribers in 174 countries, and I can only give away 400 of these tickets because I'm just doing two dates in November uh, for 200 at each event. So it's going to be a very small event, you know, not the thousands that I've spoken at in the past. So you want to make sure you get the copy of Money on audio, on Audible right now. Do it quickly and then email the receipt to rob.more at progressiveproperty.co.uk and I'll give you those two tickets to the brand new Make, Manage and Master Money. Thanks for tuning in and being a subscriber. And remember, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything. 
Throbigan, stay with me here because I've got a gift for you. I get asked for these a lot and I thought, well, I'll, I'll leverage my time and yours and I will put these four things I get asked a lot into a free gift for you. So if you go to tiny.cc forward slash Rob's report, then what I've done is I've written for you an article on the top 21 apps I use to create the mobile lifestyle. I've written an article on the 14, my most favorite educational, inspirational, informative documentaries of the you know, most inspiring people in the world. I've written uh, which ones they are and a synopsis of each one. I'm very well known for having lots of very specific goals, detailed vision values. So I'm sharing with you my particular document I use, I've PDF'd it for you. And also the fastest ways I know to make money for startup and scale up entrepreneurs. So I've written an article and a detailed report on each one. I've put them all into one. And all you have to do is go to tiny.cc forward slash Rob's report. You get those for free. I'll never ask anything from you, spam. I'll never spam you, never sell to you. And then also once a week, I'll send you a new article or a new video content that's a bit different that maybe you wouldn't get normally from the Disruptive Entrepreneur podcast. So I hope you find that useful. Remember, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything.